been showing to invent lies for my resume for running for Congress, I would have gone bigger than national champion at Baruch College for volleyball. I would have went like, no, I was actually the second string tight end on the 2000, I don't know, 11 LSU football team or something like that. Like, you got to go go big or go home if you're going to lie. If you're going to lie, might as well uh, lie all the way. I mean, yeah, I haven't even, George Santos, I haven't even, I haven't even touched that. I, I mean, I see a new headline about him every day and I'm just like, this guy's just nuts. Like, okay, <laughs> I don't have, what, what is the response to this that I'm supposed to have other than just stop your crazy person? Um, yeah, you know, he could get a job as a uh, leading up an NIL collective for school after after Congress. I mean, those are all based on lies and promises of Trump, Trump press secretary. Trump press secretary. He'd be great at. It's a good um, thing that uh, our our fan base, I assume, is uh, all to the left of us because. After spending like six weeks off, this is how we walked with the bat, and they probably have no idea they're listening to a college football podcast. Well, if we ever if we ever make it big, which isn't going to happen, but if it does happen, you know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to deal with a lot of a lot of trolls, a lot of a lot of the right wing, um, which will be interesting. Uh, maybe uh, maybe that'll get us some more f- social media followers because yeah, controversy is a great way to uh, to you know get a following. So. Best thing for us to be to get canceled. And yeah. uh, <laughs> on that note, welcome to Run Pine Option, the not canceled but long hiatus taking college football podcast where two friends talk football while one friend enjoys a choice pint. We don't have that many followers though, so maybe we're shadow banned, right? I mean. I mean, I think I think Elon needs to get us a more accurate follower account because I think you know we're, I, we're, we have no followers and it, it must be because you know big tech, right? Otherwise, we'd be doing great. Joining me today is my co-host Terry Trondard, and we are recording this finally after taking a six-week vacation on January the twenty-fifth. After a long holiday, I am enjoying the end of a somewhat dry January, though our basement, where I usually record this podcast, is not dry. Uh, so I'm enjoying a lovely iced tea. Remember, now that we're back, you can send us email by writing to runpintoption at gmail.com or by leaving a voicemail by clicking the anchor.fm link in the show notes or by visiting us on aforementioned big tech social media platform, Facebook, and leaving a comment. Um, before we dive into our episode, uh, we first want to acknowledge we have not yet um, had a chance to acknowledge the passing, the tragic passing of Mike Leach. Um, we, of course, have um, beaten up on Coach Leach a good bit on this show. Um, and we want to just, you know, take our moment to acknowledge his passing, the tragedy that it is for his family, his friends, his players. Um, he was an innovator of his time. He was um, a big personality in the college football world, and um, the game evolved and uh, is is more colorful because of his presence. Um, and he will be missed at Mississippi State. And um, but his legacy does carry on with dozens of coaches that um, are attached to his coaching tree. But uh, we do want to take you know, just a moment to acknowledge his tragic passing and the resiliency that um, his team showed during bowl season coming out of that. 
I would agree. Very appropriate. And now, this is our season in review episode. And it's an excellent time to remind you, after taking six weeks off, that our one single listener, we will now be doing podcasts every other week. Yes, you can expect this podcast to return to schedule now that it is no longer the season by having it drop into your feed every two weeks. But since it's January the 25th, uh, we're going to give you a special back-to-back new episodes uh, this week. It's a special post-holiday gift from us to you, two episodes, to meet our contractually obligated quota of two episodes a month in the off-season. And moving forward, again, expect us in your podcast feed every two weeks. But remember, you can email us anytime at runpineoption at gmail.com. Carrie, do you know what we're talking about on this shortened but long-anticipated episode? I th- you know, you said it's January 25th. I think the season's over. So <laughs> I think we, we, we may have, that, that kind of flew by us. So I think we're uh, doing a season in review, if, if I'm not mistaken. We are doing a season in review. Better late than never. The season passed us by just a solid two weeks ago with what was a thrilling championship game. I mean, it was absolutely to the wire. The single most anticipated game of the season and it was over in the first 10 minutes but that of course is not the only thing that happened this season we're going to take a look down memory lane talk about bowl season talking about the great games that were the semifinals on new year's eve the great way ohio state began 2023 the surprises of the year and what's next and college football so terry let's start off with the the champion the university of georgia bulldogs um, a historic destruction of TCU no. and the national championship game um, really, you know, put the exclamation point on Stetson Bennett's career back to back champions. You know, when we get to the what's next, I think the big question is, can they three peak? But I mean, just absolutely historic and a year where we said all season, none of the teams looked like the elite teams that we'd seen the last couple of years. Um, that's the result we got was an utter elite performance by the national champion. Yeah, just, you know, hard to come up with, you know, enough adjectives to describe, you know, just superlatives to describe uh, just how good their performance was. Um, you know, TCU had a pretty good chance in this game right about until the opening kickoff. And then <laughs> everything seemed to go Georgia's way. I mean, Georgia was just... Georgia was like, uh, Georgia was just hungry. I mean, you, you combine uh, the coach, good coaching with talent, with just, you know, the attitude they have, the way they come to play. And, and it's just, you know, when they're playing at their peak, they're, they are dogs, right? I think, you know, they, they were there to hunt. I think, I think Kirby was asked, you know, like, what, what do you think of going to this game? And he just said, hunt, you know, that, that guy has a serious intensity to him. And I think it's, it's grown in, you know, the degree of confidence he has once he was able to get over the Alabama hump and it just translates to, to the rest of his team. Um, you know, TCU didn't, I don't think, you know, play their best game but early, but, you know, once it was, once they were down, you know, 21, nothing, you know, the game was pretty much over. I mean, and some games are just that big a mismatch. I mean, you look at Super Bowl 48, you know, Broncos Seahawks, that was just a massive mismatch. This was one of those um, matchups. And I think, you know, when you talk about, you know, we've talked about before how it's it's uh, it's 
it's the journey, not the destination. I think that, you know, this was always going to be the result. I mean, I think Georgia has been pretty clearly the number one team from that week one dominant win over Oregon. I mean, there were a few weeks in there where you could have argued Tennessee and, you know, not, not to take away from what they have done, but I think, you know, it, it's always been this Georgia team. I think um, what Stetson Bennett has done is incredible considering, you know, the, the journey is, I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, people kind of overdone the, oh, he's so old to the NFL joke already, but you cannot take away with just uh, what this kid has done. I mean, you're talking about someone who went from walk on from from walk on on unable to win, a, win the job in training camp to junior college to starting but then bench for JT Daniels to game manager to Heisman candidate. I mean, I mean, that is that is like the curtain Warner like ascension of uh, what we've seen with Stenson Bennett. Um, but this whole team just plays with an attitude. They play with a chip. They're big, they're physical, they're powerful, they're fast. Um, and I, th I think what I really took from this game is that, um, well, I'll start by just saying that, like, I, I think this result would have been the same regardless of who the opponent was. I think, you know, a lot of people are kind of retroactively saying TCU didn't deserve to be there. I mean, I, I don't agree with that remotely. You can say it's because, you know, I'm a Michigan fan. I don't want to make Michigan's loss look worse. But but I, I, but I do. I, I think TCU deserved to be there. And um, but I think what I really take away from this game was that I think there's been Georgia's the new team to be. Uh, in college football and that may not sound like much of a profound statement but for so many years it's been alabama and i think that torch has been passed to georgia uh now don't get me wrong alabama's not going anywhere they'll reload they always do um nick saban's not going anywhere they'll always be a threat but i think when you look at um just who holds the crown mantle of the the best team and, and the best program in college football i think right now it's it's undoubtedly the university of georgia i mean last year they they lose their entire defense to uh, the NFL and they come back and they look as good, if not better. So, um, just, just an absolutely dominant performance all season really by, by that program. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Georgia is back to back, uh, national champions, you know, is that team program to beat and meet And the SEC East has now, um, matched very much. So the SEC West, uh, in terms of its elite level of play, having Tennessee and Georgia now, um, and then you see Florida is any rebuild um, a little bit under what will be a second year coach. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you see that the SEC East, however long the SEC divisions still remain, um, has now kind of re-entered that full uh, parody conversation with its counterpart in the West. You know, to TCU, um, I have TCU surprise in the notes, but I think if you watch them all season and we talked about this, you know, they weren't given a lot of credit where credit was probably due. And I think that they right. um, absolutely showed that. And, you know, of course, they lost to Kansas State in a Big 12 championship game, but the, they beat them previously. And really, they were only playing for a conference championship on paper. Um important but nonetheless their their bid was already solidified as we knew um to the college football playoff and uh, looking at that michigan game the score of course was close um and michigan of course had a, a chance with the drive at the end but the fact is that tcu absolutely dominated that game um Correct. for you know all four quarters um truly impressive job by sonny dykes in his first year um you know great stories across the board there um and if you're the Big 12, <laughs> it's going to be hard to argue after the last two seasons where Texas and Oklahoma did not play, and Texas hasn't played any real, real role for uh, the better part of a decade now almost. Um, you know, they're showing that they have elite teams. Um, that was, of course, the first win 
for a Big 12 team in a college football playoff semifinal. Um, it was the first time that a school from the state of Texas had appeared um, in the college football playoff. So, you know, TCU, I think, is a team that has some sustaining power. Uh, we say surprise, but really showed what they were in the Michigan game. You know, probably deserved to have a better result than they did in the national championship game than a historic drubbing. But uh, nonetheless, takes away nothing from the absolute wonderful season um, that they had. And again, shows kind of the what's next for the Big 12 as we kind of explore that question. Um, the Big 12's future, I think, looks pretty good. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, and I'm totally with you, Brendan. You cannot take anything away from TCU. I mean, they, they've been the butt of a lot of jokes and a lot of sort of have fans have this attitude that, you know, if you lose, you know, if you have an embarrassing loss in the biggest game, then that's, you know, whether it be the Super Bowl or the championship, then that's, you know, an indictment on you as a program where the fact is, you know, you really are in second place. You know, no one wants to be in second place, but they still got further than anyone else in college football. And when you look at their roster, I think they massively overachieved considering just the talent level. I mean, I mean, um, uh, Max Duggan, you know, was has been here forever. He wasn't even the starter at the beginning of the season. You know, we knew who, we had an idea. We knew who he was and he, you know, kind of came out and, you know, reinvented themselves. But really what, what Sonny Dykes was able to do, always been a great coach and you love when great coaches are able to get sort of the postseason, you know, accomplishments and trophies and recognition they deserve. I mean, this was not a team that, um, that had a, a big transfer portal that had a big recruiting class. I mean, this is more or less the same team that um, Gary Patterson was going like five and seven with, you know? So, uh, you know, the degree to which, um, Sonny Dykes elevated this team is, and obviously give the players credit as well. But I think the fact that they were even there um, speaks volumes to what a good job he's done with the program. And I'm excited for their future. I think, you know, obviously they won a lot of close games this year and things aren't always going to go your way in close games just due to regression. Um, but, uh, you know, the fact that they were able to pull, pull out so many wins that it seems like they weren't able to, the fact that they were able to dominate Michigan, the number two team in the country to get to this point, um, and, and I think that, you know, when you look at the, the last game of the season, I think, um, like I said, sometimes it's just a talent, talent mismatch. I think, you know, one of the ESPN analysts was saying just how much bigger the, the Georgia players looked on the sideline than the TCU players, right? Sometimes you just have a five-star athletes are just a different beast. But also, you know, sometimes it just, when you, when you have your first playoff game or your first big game against an SEC opponent, it, you know, it can take some getting used to, right? I mean, you look at, when Michigan played Georgia last year, everyone thought that was going to be a 14-10 game and it was a blowout, right? It's a different beast when you have to first play an SEC team and, and sometimes just like you have to do it and get thrashed to, to know just what it's like to play that level of talent. So, um, but I'm with you. I have nothing but respect for TCU. I think, you know, considering how small a program they are, the fact that they were able to get the national championship deservedly get this far, um, I, I think it's it speaks wonderfully to them. And the fact that it was, you know, a historic route, I think, you know, I, I don't put too much into that considering it's a, it's a new era of college football in terms of athletes, in terms of offensive numbers. And, you know, we, we've seen equally dominant wins from other teams in the past, but Georgia just didn't really let up in the second half. Right. So, um, you know, again, it's it's not a loss they should be happy about, but I, I just give them all the credit in the world for having a really great season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, speaking of showing that a small private institution uh, can compete, um, along with TCU having showing that you can reach the upper echelon of college football, um, the game that I went to, the bowl game, um, 
best, you know, it's something special to be able to go to the most historic um, game in your own team's history and to be able to attend it. Um, and uh, the Cotton Bowl for Tulane uh, was something else, you know, coming back um, from being down 45 to 30 with, you know, I think it was four minutes and 37 seconds left um, and beating a Heisman Trophy winner, uh, 46, 45. And what was just an absolute epic game, um, you know, Caleb Williams, I think, threw for five touchdowns. Tulane rushed for over 200 yards. Um and pulled off what was a gigantic win against USC, who until the conference championship weekend uh, was slotted into the college football playoff, right. of course, had the Heisman winner, as I mentioned. Um, both of TCU and Tulane seasons show um, the importance of coaches uh, and also show um, that in this new era, and especially as we get into the expanded playoff um, that will take place uh, not this coming season, but the following season, these institutions can and will compete and there will be surprises along the way. Um, but what an amazing story. What an amazing experience. Um, and, you know, Tulane's coming back. Willie Fritz said, their coach, that he wants to retire there. Um, he turned down Georgia Tech um, when they approached him. Uh, Michael Pratt, their quarterback, and Hainsworth, their center, are coming back. They're going to lose Ty J Spears. Um, they're running back, but they're going to reload. And this kind of win and this kind of season, they went from 2-10 and 10 to 12-2. and two. It's the biggest one-season turnaround in the history of college football. Um, this kind of season and then retaining that talent um, just continues to multiply and grow exponentially. Yeah, I think you make some great points. I think it's exciting when you consider the expanded playoff and when you look at some of these quote-unquote smaller programs that when given the opportunity are going to be able to do some serious damage with when they're allowed into the program um, and, and given, given you know, earn their spot as opposed to missing out on a narrow invitational. Yeah, I mean, what Tulane did was historic and that's not hyperbole. I mean, I, they, they were 2-10 and 10 last year. They were 12-2 and two this year. It is, as you said, the largest... Uh, one-year turnaround in the history of college football. That's a phenomenal, that's a phenomenal stat when you think about it. I mean, um, you know, I, I I didn't know that. I was surprised to see it. I, I was, you know, I was thinking about those UCF teams, but I guess it took them three years to do that as opposed to two. Um, to go from, right. So, um, and then to just top it off by, you know, 46, 45, just that score alone to be able to uh, beat a, beat a big power program in USC. Um, you know, I, I give them all the credit in the world. And I think, yeah, as, as for the Tulane alumni, it's special. For the players and the coaching staff, it's special. Really, Fritz has been here a while. You know, this program was not built overnight, but um, they, they stuck with him. And uh, they, they were able to be a truly elite team, not a fluky team, but a, but a truly elite team. Um, so that's – and that's exciting, like you said, to, you know, to have a coach who doesn't want to, you know, go to a bigger job. You know, it shows that the culture there is something special. But the core there is really an attitude that you know is something special, and um, I'm I'm excited to see where that goes moving forward. Um, the game itself was crazy, the the way it ended, and the fact that um, you know uh, USC messed up on a kickoff and then took a safety and then had to punt it back, and Tulane was able to get those two possessions in to to score within the last you know 10, 10 minutes of the game is is a pretty crazy way to win a game and a pretty crazy way to blow a game if you're USC. Um, you know, as, as somebody who writes for UCLA and has sort of, you know, become a part of this budding rivalry, I, I was excited to see the loss for USC. I think it's a, a program that's a little bit cocky, especially in terms of their fans and a program that certainly 
you know, came in and even as someone who supports the transfer portal, you have a guy in Lincoln Riley who, you know, basically pretty much bought and transferred his entire team, right? And, and I think it showed that that can only get you so far. And um, for them, it's it's the same old problems in terms of defense. You know, he brings in Alex, Alex Grinch, it's, but it's it's just like it was at Oklahoma. You know, you cannot win in this league if you can't get a stop, and they were unable to do that. So I, I think it's, you know, hopefully humbling, but important loss for USC. And, and um, yeah, for Tulane, you know, congratulations to them. Just, just an amazing, amazing season. Yeah, I mean, it was very much Lincoln Riley uh, 2.0 uh, from Oklahoma, for sure. Yeah, uh, through absolutely. And through. Um, you know, speaking of great games, uh, one of the things that we rarely have had is great semifinal games, and these two by far were the best semifinal games. Um, that you could argue, um, two of the top three, I think. You had the Rose Bowl with Georgia, Oklahoma a few years ago, that was phenomenal, but um, yeah, especially the Ohio State Georgia game when you looked at, uh, and I'm sure you've seen it, the video. Um, showing the ball drop for midnight at the same time as the field goal kick. I mean, it it really was just a phenomenal football game. TCU, they went over Michigan, historic, great game. Um, And, you know, one of the things also within that is that I think the question begs too is there was no doubt that you were watching four great teams in those games. You could say easily that the committee got it right. And yet I think too, um, what you saw from other bowl results, Tennessee beating Clemson, um, Alabama demolishing Kansas State, is that, you know, I think maybe as, as we discussed, you had an elite team in Georgia and then two through six were, were decently evenly matched in a lot of ways. And I think the semifinals in some ways proved that. But two great games, not something we necessarily um, get every year. A lot of times we don't get one great semifinal. So to have two uh, was something unique to the system and, and begs well for the future. Yeah, I, I mean, in thinking about this season, you know, I think it was a season where um, there wasn't as much, you know, similar to the NFL, there wasn't a much as much as many elite teams, you know, get the, those playoff spots were somewhat in question, particularly that, that last playoff spot. Um, but really, you know, like you said, two through six, all that kind of holes in the resume there. Um, but the, the results, you know, nonetheless, was was the best weekend of, of semis we've ever had and um, or and um yeah, no, it, it was just uh, I lost my train of thought there for a second. But yeah, no, the the games were great, and um, I I almost sort of like knew that I expected the national championship to, to be a dub because when you have like when you have that many great semis, it's like you know you're not gonna have a great championship as well. It's almost asking for too much because you usually have at least one dud in these playoffs. But um, yeah, no, I think that that made the product better. And you know, talking about how it's you know again the journey, not the destination. I mean, look back at those semifinal rounds. Like, let's not. You know, look back at the season and also Georgia dominated on the championship, so it, it wasn't a good season. I mean, th- those games were, were two shootouts and two games where both teams were competitive and the results could have gone either way. Um, in terms of the Michigan game, pretty disappointing as a Michigan fan, not because of the result, but just because of how many self-inflicted mistakes we had. Um, those two goal line turnovers to uh, to start the game really changed things around and, um, you know, the first one was just a horrible play call. And the second one, you know, was that touchdown that should have been over that should have been a touchdown was overturned. And then we go ahead and fumble that, um, you know, just, I, I, I won't spend, you know, a lot of time on it, but just a litany of mistakes by the Michigan team. And um, they would, you know, as a fan watching it, they would, um, you know, just get close enough 
that you couldn't turn it off, but never really be close enough to actually, you know, win the game. So it was kind of uh, uh, frustrating to watch uh, in that regard. Um, so, you know, but again, I think, you know, the, the fact that they were able to battle back and I think JJ McCarthy showed, you know, a lot of promise because I can guarantee you past Michigan quarterbacks would not have uh, been able to come back and, and, and keep it that close. And then um, the Georgia Ohio state game, uh, you know, and another example of something I've said in the past, you know, you let Ohio state in the playoff, they're dangerous. And, you know, it's sort of frustrating because, you know, all this talk about, you know, Ryan Day and the heightened expectations he has. Um, when that offense is clicking, it's, you know, when they don't get in their own way, it's pretty much unstoppable, right? I mean, it, it just it just hums. And C.J. Stroud was uh, just just dealing. Um, the defense remains an issue for Ohio State. You know, Jim Knowles' defense was supposed to turn things around, but they um, they were able to get back in the game pretty quickly. You know, Stetson Bennett was throwing the ball down the field with a ton of confidence, made a ton of big-time throws in this one. Um, and, and so the back and forth in this game was, was really, uh, was really a fun thing to watch with two, two really great talented teams, two really great talented offenses and passing games, which is not something, uh, we would have said about those programs in the past. And of course the missed field goal to end it, uh, which could have, could have very easily, you know, gone, um, could have very easily gone, you know, Ohio State's way if, if they were able to make that field goal. And then they're the ones playing in the championship. So, you know, the, to, Bring it to Georgia at that level. I I don't think there's, at least in my opinion, I don't, I don't think you can question um, the fact, like you said, they got it right and, and that they were deserving of that spot. And then the crazy thing too is that Ryan Day and Ohio State have now been essentially had two fake punts this season that would have worked, that would have changed their season that they weren't able to run. The first was in Michigan, and they had the they had the correct play call, but the center snapped it to the punter instead of the up man. Um, and then Michigan went up two scores. That would have changed the game if they were able to convert that. And then in the Ohio State game, you had a similar fake punt that that would have worked, but Kirby, Kirby called a timeout. Something, you know, went off of his head and he called a timeout and then they snapped it, ran it, got it, and uh, but weren't able to run it. So kind of just really bad luck on their part. They had two good fake punts called that could have changed the game that didn't end up changing it. But, um, you know, uh, two great games. And, and for them, you know, curious to see with Ohio State, uh, you know, who their I don't know who their next, you know, great quarterback is, but I'm curious to see what that offense looks like. And also, you know, what CJ Stroud looks like in the NFL, considering, you know, that offense hasn't translated great to the NFL. Curious to see how that plays out as well. And the last point I want to make before we get to the what's next in, in our list here, um, which you've already alluded to is the, um, journey, not necessarily the destination. And there was quite a journey for a bunch of teams. You know, um, we've, of course, mentioned Tulane. We've, of course, mentioned TCU. You know, Kansas State won a Big 12 championship, and that shouldn't be, um, you know, overlooked because that's only Kansas State's third ever outright conference championship that wasn't the Kansas Intercollegiate Athletic Association. We're talking about a team that historically has been stuck in kind of a mediocrity. Um, and this is their first big season without Bill Snyder leading them. Um, you know, we look at the historic run that Tennessee had and the win against Alabama and the wins against the win against LSU. Um, again, very much 
you know, Hypo has brought that program back. That was a major topic of ours um, this season. And uh, they looked great in the bowl game against Clemson. Um, and so they're going to have Joe Milton behind um, center running that offense next year. Um, and of course, a Michigan transfer, and he looks like he could be, um, you know, a, a an heir um, that you know lives up to expectation there. Um, so you know, there were a lot of great uh, games along the way. There were a lot of great teams, a lot of great surprises, a lot of great storylines. Um, and as we get kind of into the question of what's nuts, carry the obvious question of what's nuts is can Georgia do a three peat? Something that hasn't been done in the modern college football era. Um, you know, this is uh, something that Alabama was the last team to have a chance at it. Um, and for, you know, as we kind of you know, look into our crystal ball and look at what's going to happen, you know, um, eight months from now when it's week zero and week one going into week one, there Georgia should be the title favorite. Um, you know, you mentioned Ohio State. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that offense as they return. And it'll be interesting to see what happens again with the previously mentioned Tennessee team. Are they able to keep up and build on those next steps? Is Tulane, who historically um, has had great teams and then fallen back into being Tulane, um, having that consistency back is something we've talked about. It's so a lot of questions, a lot of interesting things that we'll have a lot to talk about over the next eight, nine months. Yeah, and because of the transfer portal and the coaching changes and the conference realignment, like there, there's just going to be a lot of changes and a lot of unpredictability, which I think makes the sport more interesting. You know, um, uh, there's there's going to be, you know, just like there was this season, there's going to be one or two programs that surprise you and come up out of nowhere, and there's going to be one or two programs that disappoint you and aren't, aren't as good as you expect at, at the very least. Um, so definitely very curious to see, you know, how that works out. I think last, I think next year is, uh, the last year before, um, before there's real before you have the the Pac-12 realignment, and I'm not sure if it's the last year before the SEC realignment either. Um, and then you have I think 2026 is is the expansion of the college football playoffs. So um, a lot of changes in these conversations we have about the sport and, and the culture surrounding it are going to keep happening and going to keep getting louder. So you know, excited to to be a part of that. Um, yeah, t- Tennessee. I'm I'm curious to see. Uh, you know, obviously they lose Jalen Hyatt, um, Hennon Hooker, they should be able to replace as good as he was. I'm curious to see um, if, if Heifel, first of all, what adjustments, you know, the SEC makes to that, to defending that, you know, high speed run and shoot, fear and shoot offense, but also um, just if, if Heifel is able to get the defense playing at a, at a serviceable level, or if this sort of just becomes a Chip Kelly at Oregon Philly situation where, you know, it's, they have to win every game 45, 41. Um, you know, so when you talk about Tennessee, that's, that's, you know, a question I have, but yeah, uh, there are going to be a lot of changes, but at the end of the day, Georgia is going to be the number one team in the country. They're going to be the favorite. They've earned that right. Um, you know, whether Alabama starts, you know, playing Alabama football again, whether, you know, LSU was this a one-off with them, right. Uh, you know, or, or is Brian Kelly able to build something sustainable there? Um, and so, you know, uh, I think a lot of exciting questions moving forward and obviously a lot to talk about. Yeah, and, and the the last point I want to add this on, and, and something we've talked about before, is how this is a new era of college football that we're entering with the changes. And so what you're going to see um, as we're looking forward to what's next for next year is this is the last year where you could say um, this is the previous era of college football. This is before conference realignment, um, which is going to look completely different both once it's finished, but also 
the ideas of realignment moving forward are going to be greatly changed as you have an expanded playoff. Um, you're seeing, you know, there are new rules that are coming into the transfer portal now about you have a free transfer, you have a free transfer at graduation, but limiting uh, what we'll call the JT Daniels or the Jarrett Dagey or the just the West Virginia quarterbacks rule um, where you can transfer three or four times, uh, you know, sometimes multiple times in a season. Um and you, of course, you know, we're seeing NIL continue, including the, the dark side of NIL, which we saw with Florida um, just this past week. And so all of these things um, are starting to come to a head. And we're, we're really talking about a transition season this year. Um, this is kind of the last of the old and, and we'll see what's new um, after that. And so it, there's, um, you know, the consistency is Georgia, but there's a, a lot of um, inconsistency and uh, lack of stability. And so we'll see what surprises that leads to. It could easily lead to another surprise like a TCU going from unranked to number two in the country. Um, but Carrie, I wanted to end this episode uh, with something that I'm sure you're pleased about. And that is our final RPO pit sits results of the 2022 season. And Terry, as our listeners know, we picked every bowl game except the playoff and championship, which you and I picked privately. I will say that we both got our national title picks right. Uh, TCU was mine. Michigan was yours in that matchup. And so I was able to get an extra two points. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you the game that sent it over. As I was going through all 40 bowl games, calculating the scores, watching your lead get smaller and smaller, much like we're going to start with politics, we're going to end with politics, the Trump election lead on election night in 2020. I kept seeing it getting closer and closer and closer, and I could hear you. I could hear you yelling to stop the count, stop the count, but the count continued, and we got to the Cotton Bowl game, and the Cotton Bowl game was the game where it switched, and I took the lead because I stayed with my two-lane green wave, and you didn't believe in them, and I that's... Didn't. That's, That's true. That was that was the difference. That and the TCU win over Michigan was the difference. The final score of a season loan. You might have started hot, but it's not how you start. It's how you end. You had a hundred. I had the lead all points. season, Brendan. Uh, I had the all, lead all season. season. And and you and you, you know, we picked 40 pointless bowl games that no one gives about. And you somehow came up with the lead. Uh 117 to 114. I lost by a field goal, Brendan. I lost, lost. by, by by one Noah Ruggles shank. That's how much I lost by. So uh, you had the Ohio State kicker kicking for you, <laughs> and it just didn't work out again. No, you you know what? You were in the win. Congratulations, and uh, you're right. I I did not see the Tulane win coming. I really had a lot of confidence in that pick, and uh, you know, glad they did win. Glad my alma mater did win, and um, you know. We'll we'll get back to it next season. There's there's always a next season. Luckily, we have eleven months. Well, ten and a half months now um, before we have to pick forty games straight once again. <laughs> um, and that will be its own standalone episode that's time so that our one listener can go ahead and skip it. Um, but as I mentioned, uh, expect a, a second episode this week, um, a special episode. And then we will be in your podcast feed every other week moving forward throughout the offseason. Remember to like, subscribe, share. It really helps to share the podcast. 
give us this five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts. Helps people find it. And remember to write us an email, runpointoption at gmail.com. But thank you for making time in your podcast schedule now that we're back. And we will be back very soon with another episode of Run Pint Option. Did you see Brian Kelly? They overpaid him by a million dollars this year. They, no, they, well, what, they what some, happened? They somehow accidentally paid him a million dollars too much this season. Well, they 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 wrote him such a massive blank check that you know I, I can see how they they might have gone overboard there. Um, so does he have to give it back, or is is that just like he gets? I didn't actually. I, I was I was very bad. I only saw the headline, and uh, I didn't bother to read the article. Uh, That's a very I, Brian Kelly thing to happen, though. Really, isn't is. it really, really is. But there's the season. It always goes by so quick, doesn't it? It does, although, you know, I'm kind of relieved because for four months straight, your Saturdays are taken up from 9 a.m. until, like,